today on CityCast Chicago. Before I say goodbye until next week, I want to first look back on this week, and I've got a couple friends with me to do just that. Scooter Gang? You know what? If there's a gang forming, I don't want to. I don't want to be left out. I have FOMO, so <laughs> fine. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> it's Friday, October twenty second. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Brandis, I appreciate you making time for us this week. I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm excited. Thank you for, for having me. For sure. Brandis Freeman is the co-host of WTTW Chicago Tonight and the host of WTTW's Black Voices. Also joining us is producer Simone Alisea. But before we jump into things, there has been a raging debate over here at CityCast Chicago for the last week or so. And uh, I'm going to bring you in on this and see what side of the line you fall on. Whether or not Nightmare Before Christmas is a Halloween movie, you know, because of when it comes out, the characters in it, or is it a Christmas movie based on the title and many other plot elements? Uh, Brandis, do you have a side on which you fall on, on whether you think this Tim Burton classic is a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? I don't have a side to fall on because I think the answer is yes. Yes, it is a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie. It can't, why can't it be both? I feel you. That is the real answer. <laughs> that is the truth. Yes. But if you had to choose Christmas mm. or Halloween. See, I feel like this requires research, right? Like I need to watch it again. And, and, and somebody did that research for you. Simone, uh, <laughs> I would say I watched the movie recently and, and this is a very interesting uh, analysis. Simone, you want to fill us in on that? Sure. And, and, and Brandis, I think you're right. Like the answer obviously is watch it whenever, watch it in November. Like <laughs> exactly. no one right needs to be one thing all the time. But I do think it's fun to kind of take sides and see what it says about you. I watched the movie recently and I decided to count how many times the word Halloween is said versus the word Christmas. And what I found was that the word Christmas was said 47 times and the word Halloween was said 48 times, which strengthens my argument <laughs> that The Nightmare Before Christmas is a Halloween movie. So I'm feeling pretty, pretty confident about my my position. I appreciate that you did like you made it scientific. Like we're not <laughs> we're not yeah. just gonna guess. We're not just gonna go with our feelings. We're just we're gonna do yeah. some research. No, no, no. I took a poll on Twitter and there was only thirty three votes, but fifty eight percent of those thirty three votes said it was a Halloween movie. So so yeah. Did you enjoy the movie while you were watching it and counting? Oh, of course. <laughs> Obviously. Just making sure. Okay. And I didn't even imagine to ask, like, could you make a drinking game out of it? Because just that, that is just, dang, that would just be so you dangerous. You would be quite drunk. Uh, right? <laughs> I didn't, I, I mean, there, there may have been whiskey involved, which is also maybe why you don't want to trust my count. No, nah, but you brought a lot of numbers to the table. And one thing I'm good for is when the argument is, is well presented, I, I'll go with it. So, you know, well, let's get into looking back on this week uh, of Chicago stories. Brandis, I'm going to start with you. Uh, was there a story that really you were paying attention to throughout this week? So the FOP, the Fraternal Order of Police, we all know they've been defiant of the mayor's vaccine order uh, for city employees. And I just find it interesting, right? Because like on the opposite side of that spectrum are CTU or members of CTU 
who are, according to them anyway, largely vaccinated, overwhelmingly vaccinated, like 90 plus percent, I think, you know, they're both unions, right? They both, you know, are very good at antagonizing the mayor and demanding what they believe they need. They're getting the vaccine, but the cops are like, nah. And 21 out of how many thousands of cops are there? 21 are the are on unpaid leave. Um, and of the 67% that did enter their information into the portal, 82% of them are vaccinated. And so I guess... I'm kind of curious about where this is going. And the, the court told the, the told uh, John Catanzara not to talk to the media. He immediately posted a YouTube video after that. <laughs> All right. He immediately got down on YouTube, <laughs> on Facebook, faux runs for mayor. Like, buddy got wild um, uh, immediately after they told him, you need to need to calm down these rants. Uh, your co-host Paris said something on, on uh, the other night on Chicago Tonight. And he was just like, the mayor already stepped back. You really just had to report at this point. Right. Because because originally there was like a hard deadline of October 15th. And then it was like, well, if you don't meet the October 15th deadline, you can just get weekly Testing. weekly negative tests mm-hmm. through through the end of December. So, so, right. So she had kind of like walked it back a little bit. The vaccine mandate that the city is trying to implement across uh, city officials you know, has been supported up and down throughout the Chicago public health um, hierarchy. It's something that we saw coming. It's something that you had a lot of time to prepare for. And as we've all said, it's something that they've walked back again. So now that the city and the union have competing lawsuits against one another, I mean, I I can't see it, you know, playing out any smoother than it has to this point. I kind of see just back and forth, back and forth. And private businesses are doing this left and right. Um, for and while this particular vaccine has yet to be approved for children, um, it is often a requirement that people have to be vaccinated or kids have to be vaccinated, right? Like most of us submit our kids to this vaccine protocol as they are children, and it has to happen in order to to go to school. So we believe in in those vaccines. And while I get that this one is a different kind of vaccine, and you know people uh, might have questions and need to educate themselves, like. I don't see how this how this plays out in court uh, either. But obviously, there are suits about it across the country, so we're we're gonna find out. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, <laughs> vaccines is just like you already got vaccines. Like you, you have don't have vaccines. polio right you now more times than not. Like you, you you got them. You you need them to travel already. You need them to go to school already. Exactly. You don't have measles, mumps, rubella. <laughs> this is going well for you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, like you said, people need to. Of course, we want people to educate themselves. We want people to ask questions. Um, but this performative, you know, standoff with City Hall is, this shit is tired. What did the White House press secretary say? Sir, do you know what the number one killer of police officers was last year? COVID-19. I thought that was just a a, a very G way to end that interview or in that line of questioning. I was like, go ahead and say what you got to say, Jan. Um, Brandon, I'm going to come back to you. Was there a, a story you thought deserved more attention? You know, we just we want to put some more hype on, bring some more eyes to um, so you may remember uh, the ProPublica story from a couple of weeks ago focused on a county in Tennessee um, and just this whole system that the county there has to arrest children um, in elementary school. And then the one that I saw in the AP yesterday, um, it is basically research and analysis that reporters have done across the country of a whole bunch of instances where police are using force against children. Sometimes they are teenagers, but sometimes they are not. They are little kids, right? And so one of the first you know, people in the story that they profile is a kid named Royal Smart, who is eight years old. 
my son is eight years old. And to, to read this story of instances of, of these poor kids being terrified, there is nothing I can imagine that an eight-year-old did unless you witnessed it yourself. And in most of these instances, whatever they did does not warrant the response that they got um, from police officers. Yeah, and I believe Royal Smart, who you mentioned, is, yeah, he's from Chicago. Yes, yes. He is a he is a Chicago kid. It was his family um, his family's house that the the cops came into and cuffed him for a while. Um, yeah, and it, it goes along with the conversation we've been having about school resource officers over the last couple of years in Chicago and schools voting on whether or not to keep them uh, inside of the school because we know that in black and brown schools that we're dealing with young children being constantly perceived as older is more aggressive. And so it really tells the story that we need to be reconsidering just how close our criminal justice system is to to minors, in particularly in black and brown neighborhoods. Uh, Simone, was there a story that you were watching this weekend and just wanted more people to be paying attention to it? So, so uh, Chance and Common were at a press conference this week. And on some level, I don't think they personally need any more hype. But the thing that they were talking about this week is something that is that I would like people more people to know about. And the thing they were talking about was trying to reinstate parole in Illinois. I find that people don't always realize, uh, they don't really realize that we don't have it because it's something you see on TV all the time. You hear about parole officers. But Illinois hasn't had uh, any kind of discretionary parole since 1978. So Chance in Common and among grassroots organizers and, and folks have been trying to promote a new bill, Senate Bill 2333, 2333, um, in order to reinstate parole in Illinois. And I just think that um, I used to do some reporting around prisons. And one of the things I heard over and over and over again from people who were locked up was just how harmful determinate sentences are, how harmful it is to not have this opportunity to be able to petition in a formal way. There are sort of like kinds of credits you can earn. There are um, obviously things like commutation or things like that. But but there's not sort of a set way to say, hey, my behavior has improved. My actions have improved. My situation has improved. I think I should be considered to not be here for another 30 years or whatever the case may be. It's really hard to overstate just how much of a difference it makes in terms of doing the thing that we think prison should do. You take someone who did a bad thing and hopefully their behavior changes so they don't do bad things anymore. That's that's the that's the concept. But as we see over and over again, the way we design prisons and the way we design the system doesn't do that at all. And I just think... Uh, uh, sentencing is such a huge part of that that people miss. And it's one of the most, I think, misunderstood aspects of the legal system. That's a really good one. We actually, we did a segment on that this week on, on Chicago Tonight as well. because and, and, I, and I agree with you. I'm not sure that Common and Chance necessarily need any more hype. But I also wonder, had they not been yeah, shout there. Shout out to Parole, Illinois. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly, exactly. To Parole, Illinois. Um, because I wonder, had they not also gotten them, how many news outlets would have noticed if they didn't have those celebrities, at least there. But I totally agree with you, Simone. It's absolutely, because I, I think a lot of people don't realize that it doesn't exist. Yeah, and I, I believe it also would impact people who have served for, who have been in for at least 20 years to this point, that it will have like retroactive implications as well. And again, it doesn't guarantee anybody release. It just gives them the opportunity to go before parole, uh, parole board um, hearing. 
which is key, right? Again, that's the other part of it is like, how are you supposed to be motivated to say, go to college or engage in programming if you know that you still have to serve 10, 20 more years? Like if you know you're not going to get out any earlier, why, you know, why join the program? You got nothing but time. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate both of y'all for those stories. But we want to lead the people with some good news to go into the weekend with. Simone, I'm going to start with you. Did you have some good news for the CityCast listeners? Well, besides winning the the Nightmare Before Christmas debate, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> it's, it, was, it was a really good week for me. I finished a puzzle. My plant is growing. It sprouted a little leaf. You're thriving. I know. I'm like really, really proud of myself. But, but I think the moment I want to draw some attention to is at the beginning of this week, I finally acquired and put up this big map of the city of Chicago. And then I bought some pins and I pinned all the places that we've been on CityCast Chicago on the podcast. The neighborhoods we've visited, the different locations we visited. If you follow me on Twitter, you saw it on Twitter. I, I posted it there. But um, it, it, it was just, A, nice to kind of have this big giant wall filled uh, and, and B, to um, sort of revel in all of the stuff we've done and all of the places we've been. So that was really nice. Yeah, it's been a pretty cool seven months. We didn't, we didn't been in some, some really interesting neighborhoods telling some really cool stories to this point. It's, it's been fun thus far. Brandis, you got some good news for the people to take it to the weekend? You know, my moment of joy was seeing the the Sky Parade and Rally earlier this week. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, like you're in the finals, right? It's the biggest point in their career, probably their lives. Um, and yeah. to see them, you know, relaxed and enjoying themselves and having fun and smoking their cigar while wearing their their Olympic gold medal, riding the bus and waving at the people. And to see folks Nobody telling you what's in their cup. <laughs> I don't know what was it. They were drinking water. Those girls are athletes. Season's <laughs> over. I, I don't know. Absolutely. I, I mean, if I were them, like I, I'm, I'm not faulting them at all for whatever they had in their cups uh, that particular day, um, because they they had the right to the, to enjoy themselves. They worked hard. I loved seeing mm-hmm. um, the fans turn up for them, and that they were appreciative of the fans, because I think we all know that women's sports does not get the coverage that men's sports does. And so I was really excited for them to see them get their flowers, um, and you know, to to enjoy themselves at the rally hell yeah that rally was hilarious and i loved i think i was watching the cbs laffy and when big mama got the mic and she was like leading them through the chant what we gonna do whoop that ass what we gonna do and and you can hear you can hear the uh, the the commentators just being like okay all right they tried to play the music on them and they was like we not going we've been on the bus we've been drinking we've been smoking cigars no, nah, the the parade was beautiful. You know, it was one of the most exciting basketball games I've ever been to. Not only because it was for the chip, the hooping was so good. I'm gonna stay with women's sports. There was an article that came out from Block Club Chicago. Shout out to Amy and Colin on the photos about Fro Skate, and it's this skate collective. It's a collective that is about inclusivity. So it's uh, started by a black woman. It's for non-binary skaters, for for people of color, for black and brown skaters who don't feel wanted or seen in the larger Chicago skate community. And they had their last meetup in Uptown earlier this week. I think it is one of the most impressive like athletic feats, but you can learn more. I'll put information in the show notes where you can find them and learn about their their future uh, meetups. Uh, it's one of the big regrets of my life that I didn't stick with skateboarding as a kid. Uh, but uh, I, I loved reading about them this week. 
That's a good one. I love that. I, I look forward to reading that. I've I've never been on a skateboard. I no. Nope. I think never I would. Once. No, hmm. I don't know how well that would go for me. <laughs> it didn't go well for me back in the day, but from everything I was reading about them, they was they was tearing it up at Wilson Park. Right? You didn't say nothing, Brandis. You ever been on a skateboard? I think once as like a kid, kid. I think I was maybe I was like eight or nine. It, it didn't go well. I think the real question, Brandis, is uh, how do you feel about electric scooters? <laughs> oh, yeah, I heard about We're trying about to start a, a, a Chicago <laughs> scooter gang. Scooter gang. We got Brandon. <laughs> scooter gang. I heard about this. <laughs> Adam from Chicago Reader trying to get down. Simone going to ride. Brandis trying to get down. Uh, uh, you, you know what? If there's a gang forming, I don't want to be left out. I have FOMO, so <laughs> fine. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> Brandis Freeman is the co-host of WTTW Chicago Tonight and the host of Black Voices on WTTW. Simone Alisea is my fantastic producer at CityCast Chicago. Talking with both of you has been a pleasure and an honor. Brandis, thank you for joining us on CityCast. Likewise, team. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Before I let you go, I want to give you a quick warning. If you see a dude in a Deadpool costume running around Woodlawn or Hyde Park, don't worry. That's just my older brother. Don't pay buddy no mind. His costume enthusiasm got me wondering if my team had any favorite costumes, so I asked. Lead producer Carrie Shepard. My costume this year is my pick. My partner Matt and I are going to be Moira and Johnny Rose from Schitt's Creek, which is kind of little what we look like anyway. Producer Simone Alisea. I don't really have plans to go out or dress up this Halloween, but assuming it's chilly enough, I might put on my Deadpool onesie. Producer out in La La Land, Natalie Rivera. I am hoping to dress up as Tony, one of the feminist bookstore owners from Portlandia. Unfortunately, I do not have anyone who will do this costume idea with me, so I do not have a Candace, so it might not happen, but here's hope. And lover of all things newsletter and Halloween, Sydney Madden, you got a favorite? I feel like this is the year to pay tribute to Britney Spears, so I'm trying to dress like Britney circa Oops, I Did It Again, aka Iconic Red Catsuit. And me, it might come as a shocker, but I actually do have a favorite costume. I like to dress up as I don't give a damn man. It's pretty simple, actually. Just requires some pajamas, an HBO Max login, and me asleep in bed before 11. I want to give a huge thank you to the people who make some of our music possible. That's Sam Trump and Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop. And as always, I save my last appreciation for you. If you're new here, remember to sign up for our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. If this ain't your first time with CityCast, I appreciate you for joining us again. I'll talk to you on Monday. Peace. 30 of us out there on the on the birds and the lemons. Like the lemons. we was out there. Uh, <laughs> limes. <laughs> lemons, limes. I'm gonna be drinking Whatever. tequila. It it's gonna be delicious. what it's gonna be. <laughs> Refreshing. <laughs>